Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Of the, uh, here at the first of the year, we're kicking off a new series, and uh, with it, um, we're just calling it um, uh, Feeling Full. And because I feel like coming out of 2020, there was so much um, that we just felt like we were robbed, that we were just we just missed, that just wasn't what it should have been. And I don't want us as a church, as individuals, to kind of carry that mentality forward. Uh, I know here in you know January 2021, um, you know nothing, you know all of a sudden shifted with the new year. You know, this kind of feels like the 13th month of 2020 in a lot of ways. But the truth is, is it is a new year and it is a time for us to go ahead and slough off some of the stuff that crept in um, along with the needed response. There was a needed response. When there's a need that rise, rises up, there's a needed response. But there are so many times it can begin to create a mental shift that we don't need um, and begin to feel like, you know what, we'll just kind of do without, we'll just kind of get through and just kind of skim through life and give just enough. And that's not what God has called us to. He's called us to living a full life. And so we're going to remind ourselves what it looks like to go ahead and, and just stay in the flow until we're full of just feeling full of what God has for us. If you got your notes, uh, you got your bulletin, however it is you're going to travel along with us in this, um, then this is our launching thought that we were created to have lives of meaning and purpose, full lives. We all long for it. We all want meaning and purpose in every part of our lives. We want meaning and purpose in our relationships. We want meaning and purpose in the work we do during the day and with, a, with our hands and with our thought and, and with our talents. We want meaning and purpose with, with even our recreation and, and what's taking place on those fronts. We want meaning and purpose on every front. And that's because God wired us that way. He wired us to be able to live strong, full lives. Let's go ahead and look at John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. Let's pause right there. I think we're all pretty familiar with all of these things having taken place right here in the middle of this pandemic. We all can look at our lives and see that, man, some things have been stolen. Some memories, some opportunities, some connections have been stolen. Some, some of your jobs have been stolen. Some of your peace and your joy has been stolen some of the place where you just feel safe has been stolen. And there's so many fronts that we've seen the enemy full on at work. We've obviously seen so many families have been impacted this. And it just grieves my heart of, of that there have been so many deaths. There's just been so many deaths that have come across. And your Facebook feeds are, are full of them. And we've just seen it. Time and time again, just the, the work of the enemy that comes to steal and kill and obviously destroy. We've just seen destruction on so many different fronts, not just on big levels, but on very personal levels that we have, we've dealt with this and have seen this. We've seen the work of the enemy where he comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. But Jesus is speaking and Jesus gets the last word. And he says, but I've come that they may have life 
and have it to the full. I am so thankful that Jesus came that we may have life. I'm thankful for that. And you know what? That would have been enough and we'd have been grateful for that. But Jesus did not want to stop there. He said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or some translations say, have it abundantly. Not just to have life. Not just to be able to narrowly avoid the stealing and the killing and destroying. But to have it to where it is obvious that God is involved. To have this full kind of life. But there are two things that are at work here. There's the enemy who wants to bring destruction and there's Jesus who wants us to have a full life. But we've got to stay aware of his fullness. We have to stay connected with it. Now here at the first of the year that maybe, you know, you found yourself sitting in the seat today or watching online and saying, you know what, 2020 didn't go so good. I want to do something new. I want to do something fresh in 21. I'm not normally a church person. man. I'm not normally connected on that front. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this, this church thing a whirl. And I'm going to tune in. I'm going to see what this is about. I'm going to show up. And if that's you, man, you are welcome here. We are so thankful. Maybe you still are like a little on the fence on who Jesus is and all this. That's great. You're welcome here to come and to learn and to, to be able to move forward on that. But for those of us who have embraced who Jesus is, who understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we have access to the Father and access to real life because of him, the Bible says that we are in Christ. So since we are in Christ and he's come to give us life to the full, we have full life access all the time. We have it all the time, but that doesn't mean we're going to access it all the time. It doesn't mean we're going to live in it all the time. In fact, sometimes we decide to kind of go our own route instead of living our life. And we end up creating unnecessary trauma and pain in our lives. Years ago, I got the opportunity to uh, get my private pilot's license, and, and um, I'm, I'm not currently a pilot, so I can't fly you anywhere, so don't, don't ask me. <laughs> so, but uh, after the story, you won't want to follow me anyway. So, um, But uh, anyways, I got my pilot's license, and one of the things they do, they teach you, is they teach you how to deal with it in case you get the plane into a stall, how to like get it out of a stall. Because when it stalls, well, then the wings quit producing lift, and you start to fall out of the sky. That's a bad thing. And so um, they teach you how to, to how to do that and get you up into a, a climb, and and then you you know eventually nose it over. Well, you quickly figure out, um, you know, that as you you know nose it over pretty good out of a climb, you 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 float. You know, you go into zero g for a little bit. It's actually that the plane's falling a little faster than you're falling. It's all that's happening. And so, but you you just float. It's, it's to me, it was really cool. In fact, if you've seen the old uh, movie uh, Apollo 13, um, that's how they filmed those space sequences. They actually filmed them 30, 45 seconds at a time in this huge plane that they created a set, and they were actually floating. And so it wasn't CGI. They were actually floating, and they were doing that in a plane. They were using this, this technique. And so, uh, so we would you know, go flying and I'd do these and I'd take my buddies up, different people and say, hey, you know, and they'd say, hey, Pastor Brandon, uh, uh, let's do some dips. That's what we called it because you just go up and whoosh. And um, it was a lot of fun to me. Um, so with well, the plane that I did this in, the plane that I flew in uh, was a Cessna, a Cessna 172, which is a high wing plane. So the, the wing is on the top and the wing, the fuel is stored in the wings and with its design, it doesn't have a fuel pump. It lets gravity just 
let the, the fuel drain down into the engine that's in the, the nose of the plane, and the, the fuel just comes in there naturally. And so I was sitting there one day, and we were just flying around out here, and I had uh, Lauren Ramirez, who's on our team. I had her uncle Moses with me, and uh, Moses uh, is up there, and we're flying around, and um, so he's like, let's do some dips. And I was like, all right. So we're doing a few dips and, and get a little more aggressive with it, float a little longer. Uh, well, I had my log book, uh, keep all my hours in and all that stuff for flying. I set it on the, the, the dash and sit there and do a little dip. And then the, the log book would just float. It would just kind of float in midair. And this was pre-Facebook and all that, or else we'd have like taken pictures of it and been all cool, you know, passing a little hoop over it or something. And so, and, um, but none of that existed at this time. And so we just float. Well, then I decided, hey, um, I wonder if I can float my logbook over your head and stick it in the back seat. And he's like, oh, man, that'd be cool. And so I get it up into a pretty good climb and hammer it over. And the book floats, and it'd get right about to his head. And then I'd have to come up out of it, and I just couldn't seem to get the book into the back seat. It's about like, man, it's like, if we can get 18 more inches, man, I've got it. I've got it in the back seat. And so I was like, I'm going to get it this time. So I get it into a real good cl- steep climb, the little stall warning horns going off and all the little flutters happening. And I just jam it over real hard. And we go, and start going down as much as a 172 will do that. And, um, and so we're going down. And man, the book is floating and it's just sitting there and it gets right about to the top of his head. And there was this beautiful sound um, that I did not realize how beautiful it was. It was this little sound of And right about the top of his head, that sound stopped. And the engine was not going anymore. And it's sitting there and I'm like, Oh, my gosh. And so immediately go in and flatten things out. All fun and games are over. The engine is not going. The little, wind, the little propeller's still windmilling around. And, man, all of a sudden we pull out. And then, boom, we're going again. And I was like, oh, praise God. And what I had not realized what I had done is while I am sitting there goofing around floating the book, I am floating the fuel inside the wing of the plane at the same time. And so there was all the fullness of fuel I needed, but I disconnected. I starved the engine of fuel because I was trying to do something that wasn't designed to do. And so many times, so many times in our Christian lives, we have the fullness that we need for life. We have it with us, but we're trying to do things our own way. We're trying to accomplish and run things in a direction that God's not called us to run. We're trying to operate in a way God's not called us to operate. And we're not getting the results that are supposed to exist. We're not getting what he has called us to have. And if we will finally let him be Lord, Lord means your way above my way. He is not Lord of your life. If all you're doing is saying, God, I want to do this, and I want you to sprinkle a little magic blessing dust on it and make it work. That's not the way God does this. 
he is Lord. His ways are higher than our ways. His ways are better than our ways. His ways give us life and life more abundantly, but we've got to walk his way. We got to do it his way. We can't decide or we're just going to go our own route and hope everything works out okay and wonder, oh, what was it? Why? Why did everything quit on me? Why did everything stall out on me? Why did everything stop on me? Man, God, I thought you were a God of fullness. He says, I am a God of fullness, but you're going to have to walk in my fullness. You're going to have to walk this direction in my way. See, life from God is what filled us in the very beginning and is the only thing that gives us life now. Real life comes from the life of God. Anything else falls incredibly, incredibly short. Let's look at our creation in Genesis 2, 7. It says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So there he was. He was formed. He existed, but he was just a shell. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. He was just a shell. He was there. He was formed. had everything that he needed except life. And when God breathed into him, when he breathed life into his body, then he became a living being. There in that moment, we have the very first mouth-to-mouth suscitation. It was not resuscitated because he was never suscitated. He had not had life at all. And God breathed life and sustained him and breathed life into him. And that's when he became a living being. We have to understand that it's the life of God that we long for. It's the life of God that we need. That's what gives us real life. But we have to change our mental process and see that he wants to bring life even in places where it just doesn't seem like life is even possible. We're going to look at Ezekiel chapter uh, 37. It's the last song we sang together. Um, talks of, sang a lyric, said you make dry bones live. And, and there's, this is the story where that lyric came from. It's here in Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, if you're not familiar with Ezekiel, no, it's in the Old Testament. He was a, he was a prophet, which means he spoke uh, to the nation of Israel on behalf of God. He, that's the way that this rolled. And here in, in thir- Um, Ezekiel 37, we're going to start in verse 1. And Ezekiel writes, he says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live. Here's God and he asks Ezekiel. Ezekiel's checking them out. They've got a bunch of dry bones and he asks Ezekiel what Ezekiel's thoughts were about the bones. Bones, Ezekiel, what, what about these bones? Can these bones live? Okay. Most of us would say this is a pretty easy question. Okay. God teed him up with an easy one. Here we are. We're going to start with a soft one. Here's a bunch of bones. Can these bones live? You know, Ezekiel could have very easily come up with his own diagnosis. And you know, you know what, Lord? I, I've looked at WebMD a lot. Um, I've watched all Grey's Anatomy seasons. I've seen them all. And some of House. And I feel like I'm pretty good. I feel like I can assess this situation right here. And, and I, can, I can decide 
what's going on here. And uh, Lord, these are some dry bones. And uh, no, they cannot live. Um, these, are, these bones are dry. They're done. Uh, there you go. I answered your easy question, Lord. And, uh, and so, but that is not, that is not what Ezekiel does. Ezekiel does not do that. He asked, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, said I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Ezekiel had the wisdom to say, you know what? I see dry bones. My experience and my research says, eh, eh. no life here. But I'm at least going to park my opinion. I'm going to park my experience. I'm going to park all of this stuff. And I'm going to defer to you and say, God, you may see something I don't see. You may have a plan that I don't understand. You may be able to look at dry bones and see something I'm not able to see out of dry bones. So I'm going to decide, Lord, you alone know. And you know what? There are too many times that you and I, we assess the situations in our life, we look at the different things, and we decide, nope, this is it, this is gone. There's no hope here. Oh, next thing, let's move on. And I'm telling you what, we have passed on so many situations where God wanted to do something special, and we walked away because we made our own assessment, we filed it away, we said it's done, and we moved on to the next thing, and God had a plan the whole time. God has a plan right now for your dry bones. He's got a plan for your stuff, but you've got to make the, your own decision that maybe he knows something you don't know. You have to do it. You have to make your own mind up. So Ezekiel made his mind up, Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Okay? Now God's talking. Couldn't God just talk to the bones? Why does he need Ezekiel to talk to the bones? God's talking to Ezekiel. Can't God just talk to the bones himself and do it? God has invited Ezekiel to participate in this. God is always desiring for us to connect and to participate. He's not sitting there. We're not his playthings. We're his children. He's invited us into kingdom business. He's invited us to be a part of this thing. So many times we want to passively sit by and say, God, you just do it. And I just want to, I just want to enjoy the, the stuff. And he's like, no, I want you to be in the middle of this with me. I want you to learn how to do this. You've been called kings and priests. I want you to be a part of this. And he invites Ezekiel into the middle of the miracle. And he says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. What? It's a bone. Um, bones don't breathe. Lungs breathe. Bones don't breathe. Um, God, uh, you're getting a little ahead of yourself here. We're going to need something. A bone doesn't breathe. But I love that God speaks to where it's going. He sees multiple steps down the road. So many times when you sit there and God says, this is what I'm going to do with your marriage. This is what I'm going to do with your career. This is what I'm going to do with your life. This is what I'm going to do with your talents. And he speaks to them and you're like, wait a minute, this, this can't even happen. I don't even have the stuff. 
I don't even have the needed pieces for that. And he's like, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. I'm going to fill in the gaps, but those bones are going to breathe. God, bones don't breathe. But living people, living people breathe. And then he keeps talking. You'll come to life, and I will attach tendons to you. I'll make flesh come upon you. I'll cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you, and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. He had a plan. The rest of the pieces were going to come together. But so many times, if we don't know where he's going, man, sometimes we can begin to park it. And God wants to speak, and that's why God wants to give you vision. God wants to give you vision. He wants to let you see the big picture and carry you forward into it. And then he'll begin to walk you through it. But God will begin to birth vision in you for the miracle. Verse 7 so, says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Now this looks like it might could live. Looks like people. Looks like it might could live. But there's still no life in it. There's still no life in it. You still got to keep moving forward. Still stay with it. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Lord, I already prophesied to him that they were going to breathe. He says, I want you to talk to it again. I want you to talk to it again. Sometimes you got to just keep staying with it. It keeps moving forward and things are coming together, but don't you let up on that end result. This all of a sudden, it says, well, it's just, it seems like it's, there should be some life there, but it's not quite there. Keep staying with it. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone and we're cut off. He says, this is what I want to do. This, the, this vision that I gave you, this that this, we just did, this is what I want to do for the house of Israel. But here's the problem. They're saying, they're running their mouth that they're dried up, their hope is gone, and they're cut off. When what they need to be saying is, God, you alone know. God, you know. You've, I believe you've got a plan. I believe you can do something. But they have self-diagnosed. They're dry. There's no hope. We're cut off. That was Israel's problem. Israel's problem wasn't that they didn't have a God that, they, that wanted to give them fullness and restoration. Their problem was is they, were all, they had already quit and decided what the end result was going to look like. They had already done it. They had already self-diagnosed and had moved on. But God had a plan for them. We need to make sure that we don't look at different things. And no matter how dry and hopeless it looks by itself, we got to get a hold of it because God wants to give us life and life more abundantly. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Matthew chapter 4. If you're 
doing the, the Bible reading through the New Testament with us. Um, this will actually be, we'll read this tomorrow. And, um, and so it, for those of you who aren't aware of it, they're on Facebook and on YouTube. You can connect with it. It takes around four minutes or less a day, maybe four and a half minutes on some of the longer pieces. Um, but it doesn't take long. Um, and there's honestly, there's nothing wrong in the world um, with you just listening to it, you know, just putting it on and listen to it while brushing your teeth and getting ready. It doesn't take long and you can ingest the New Testament. In fact, believe it or not, um, the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote it to them, but they didn't pass it around and read it with their eyes. Somebody stood up and spoke it and they listened to it. For years and years and years, people listened to the scriptures the Hebrew people did not all have scrolls in their houses. They came together and they read through it and they systematically, even to this day, you go into a synagogue, every synagogue around the world is reading the same portion of the Torah, the Old Testament, the, of, the, of the, the first five books of the Bible. And they're reading through it and then they cycle through it again and they cycle through it again and they stand up and they read it over and over and over again and they hear it with their ears. There's nothing wrong. Don't feel like you're a sellout because you didn't put your eyes on the words. You listen to me? Don't you not do it because you didn't put your eyes on the words. You get the word of God in you. For centuries, everybody just heard it. There ain't nothing wrong with you simply because you got it printed. It's an amazing thing that you have it printed and you can read it for yourself, but you get it in you. Don't you find an excuse to not put it in you. <laughs> I just felt I need to address that. I just need to address that. I'm sorry. If I got too stern, we'll, we'll joke again, I promise you. Matthew 4, verse 2 says, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was hungry. He had a need, but he knew his greatest need. Jesus knew his greatest need was what God had to say on any particular subject. That is where we find the fullness of life. See, we need to cultivate an appetite for God in his way of doing things. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, which we'll read on Tuesday as you're reading through that or listening to it. Um, Matthew 5 Verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Righteousness can be a scary word, and we can think we know what it means, and, and we can think that it's, you know, that it's this, this preacher word, and you need to be righteous. God demands righteousness. And you got to flap your cheeks when you say it, and, and spit a little bit when you say righteousness. And so, um, but that's not it at all. I told you we'd joke again. And so... Um, righteousness is what God says is right. That is what righteousness is. Righteousness is what God says is right. So we should hunger and thirst, not for what culture says is right, not for what the world system says is right, not for what your best friend says is right, but what God says is right. You should hunger and thirst for what God says is right. It says, for they will be filled. You say, well, you know what, Pastor Brandon? I'm not even familiar with what God says is right. But I'm here to tell you God will begin to stir a hunger for you, in you for something that maybe you've never even seen or tasted. 
but you'll go, man, I know there's got to be something better. And he begins to stir that in you, and he'll stir you for better in your relationships, and he'll stir you for better in your life, and he'll stir you for better. And you're like, I don't even know what this looks like, but I know there's, it's out there. And God began to give you a hunger for something you've never put in your mouth. And we just had this in my family just this past weekend. And Cutie and I got to go out of town for a couple of days and celebrate 27 years of marriage. Woman needs a trophy. Putting up with me for 27 years. And, um, and so for those of y'all who don't know, we have seven kids ranging from 25 to 7. And uh, so the oldest five took care of the youngest two, the seven-year-old and nine-year-old. Because if you leave them home by yourself for three days, somebody calls the cops. And so, um, and Burrito will arrest me. It's, I know he will. And so, and uh, the... Uh, Anyway, so the, the older kids were taking care of the, the two younger ones. And a few days before we left, um, Pressy, uh, Preslin, our youngest, seven-year-old, um, had never had lasagna. Um, where she saw it, she saw it on something, decided she wanted lasagna. But she wanted a special lasagna. She wanted Pressy lasagna, okay? And she had decided, she came up with a recipe on her own, but she was convinced she was going to like it, had never eaten it. She doesn't like meat, so it was going to have no meat lasagna. So I don't know where this kid came from. Man, we're all carnivores, and she's eating salad, and we're like, this is weird. And, um, and so, she, but uh, she's like, I need just tomato sauce, and I need noodles and cheese, and tomato sauce and noodles and cheese, and that's pressy lasagna. So the, the little spaghetti sauce with no meat in it and all that. So she came up with that. She's like, Daddy, I, can we make pressy lasagna? And I was like, uh, no, no, sweetheart, we're, we're busy on this and this. And so for days, she would bring it up to me. I want pressy lasagna. Well, then we go out of town on our trip, and she tells her sister. She was with Brooklyn. It was Brooklyn's turn to watch her, and she's like, I want pressy lasagna. And Brooklyn's like, what is that? She tells her. So they make it, and then they send me a picture, send Cutie and I a picture of pressy with her little loaf pan that she had made her pressy lasagna, and she got to have her dill lasagna, put it in her mouth for the very first time, and loved it. It was an amazing dish, and, you know, follow her for recipes, and, and you know, she, it's, it's awesome. And so she got to eat her pressy lasagna, but she had this unrelenting hunger for something she had never put in her mouth, something she had never eaten. And she sat there and she begged her daddy for it, and I never gave it to her. And she finally went to her sister, and when I saw the picture of that, I told Cutie in the car, we should see it, and I was like, man, that girl would not give up. She would not give up, but she finally found the soft touch. She found Brooklyn, and so Brooklyn made the, helped her make the lasagna. But that is so a perfect picture of us with hunger and thirst for righteousness. Maybe you've never had peace in your home. Maybe the home you grew up in was chaotic and angry and, and you couldn't wait to get out of there. Maybe your grandparents, maybe you've never seen what it looks like to genuinely have peace in your home, but the Holy Spirit begins to stir you up for peace in your home and say, well, you know what? I'm the Prince of Peace. I want to bring peace. You need to be pursuing this, get hungry. What I say is right is peace in your home and you pursue it. And maybe, you maybe not the first day. Maybe not all, but you know what? Just like the dry bones came together and breathed, then he's going to bring about the promise that he has birthed in your heart, whether you've even tasted that thing or not. Because God wants to bring it about 
in your life. Psalm 107 verse 8 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. And then John chapter 6 verse 26, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, which lets them know that he's the son of God and does pretty cool stuff, but because you ate the loaves and had your full. One of the most miraculous signs was feeding 4,000 and feeding 5,000. They all had plenty of bread. They got excited about getting their bellies full. And he says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? He's already said, this is that he's going to give you. And then they will say, how do we work for this? And then he says, this is the work of God. And the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. You feel like you got to work? Well, then here you go. Here's, here's the secret. Here's your work. Believe. Believe in the one he sent. How are we going to live the full life that God has for us? Believe that he took care of it when he sent Jesus. Believe that Jesus comes to give life and life more abundantly. Our bottom line is this, is that only God can fulfill the promise of filling full. Only God can. Many of you have tried to be full in life by chasing other things. And you have found it as empty as empty can be. And I'm here to tell you, God comes. Jesus has come. He's active in our lives so that we may have a full life, an abundant full life. But we're going to have to let him be Lord. We're going to have to get hungry for what he says is right. And we're going to have to say, Lord, you alone know, not my way, but your way. And we begin to do those things and believe, just believe. Believe that he's right. Believe that he knows better. Believe that he's provided. Believe. And I'm telling you, God will begin to lead us in new and fresh ways. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.